Okay, as we get going this morning, I want to see who remembers. I made a commitment that I would not use a certain type of illustration in my message this morning. Who remembers what commitment? Diane must be excited about today. That's uh, probably why you came, because you know I'm not going to make what kind of an illustration, Diane? Sports. And I regretted, as I was preparing, I regretted committing to that last week. It's a Super Bowl today. The Olympics are on. You got all these good stories. You're crying at night when you see this neat thing happen. I can't do any of it. Can't do it. Sports are off limits. So I regret saying that, but I will keep my commitment to you today. Now here's where we're going to start. Have you ever left somebody in your life a checklist? A to-do list, right? All right, whether on your job, whether at home, Kids, would you, could you just do like two things? Just maybe three for me? All right. You have a, you have a checklist. This made me think of when you go to the mechanic, drop your car off, you're getting an oil change, and it comes with a complimentary 31-point inspection, whatever that is. So I got to imagine the mechanic has got his 31-point list out, and he's ticking off each item, you know, as he's getting it done. And then how much do you think he cares about your car after he's done? Not very much. He probably just goes on to the next one. Whenever I see 31-point inspection, I just think these are all the things they're going to find wrong and charge me money for. Okay, that's all I ever think <laughs> when I see complimentary inspection is, yeah, it's not complimentary. They're going to find some filter somewhere that costs $38 to put in my car. All right, um, that's, that's always uh, my, my orientation to it. But when, when you have the checklist at home or at work and you're trying to get people to do things or they're, they're, they're going down the checklist, what if the, what if the checklist wasn't needed? Isn't that the ideal Somebody could just walk around the job site or walk around the house and kind of figure out what needs to be done and just do it. Wouldn't that be great if somebody could just do that? Sometimes our, our, we, we approach our faith like a checklist. God, I did this, and I did this, and I did this today, and now I'm done. Sometimes we do that. These characteristics that Jesus gives to his disciples in his Sermon on the Mount are not that way. It is not checklist living. Even though there are some specific characteristics, if we take on these states of blessedness, or as the Greek word we talked about last week, it means happy, this is a state of who we are. It's not a thing that we go down and tick off a few items, and then we're done being that way for the day, okay? So keep that in mind as we go through these, all right? Four more things today about a blessed life, but I titled this Deep Down, okay? Last week, Deep Down, Desiring Something Else. We left off at hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Today is Deep Down, are we right with God? Are we right with people? We don't want a relationship with God that is based on a few checkpoints, that we have to have to do. We want to be that way all the time because he's making us that way. That's just going to become who we are. All right, let's pay attention for that as we go along today. A blessed life, a blessed life. 
Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. A blessed life shows mercy. What is mercy? One of the definitions is bringing someone relief from something unpleasant. I want to think about this in a couple of ways. We sang about our sins, they are many. But God's mercy is more. So we want to think about it spiritually. The, the state of being in our sin and caught there, the state of being in a, in a place where we haven't asked God for forgiveness for our sin is so unpleasant. It's broken, it's horrible, it's deep, it's dark, it's difficult. But what God wants to do is to show us mercy and to relieve us from that unpleasantness in our souls to the depths of who we are. God wants to show us mercy. But another way that we think of mercy is people to people mercy. Now I have a picture up here that may, may stir the way that you think. Right? We, a lot of times we, if you're driving around, uh, especially in the city uh, or an exit ramp or whatever it happens to be, you may see somebody who is requesting help. In a sense, this person holding this sign right now is, is asking for mercy, is asking for somebody to provide something that they need and to relieve a state of unpleasantness. So blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Now, if we are checklist believers we will only think of mercy in these types of situations. Well, how can I show mercy? Or we'll ask these questions like, is it really wise to give money or a, a, a granola bar or whatever I have? Is it really wise to help a stranger? Because I don't really know what they're going to do with it. A lot of times we'll wrestle through these questions. And we think of, of mercy as it isolates these specific dilemmas that we have, but instead of being that way, we want mercy to be a part of who we are. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Here's the very end of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, I realize, very well I realize, that this is a story that Jesus told situationally. The guy had been beat up on the road. He uses this illustration to challenge uh, whether the people are merciful, the three religious people go by, and then the Samaritan, who they all would have hated and despised, Jesus uses his character to challenge their hearts because he comes by, and he's not worried about uh, whatever. He's not worried about whether he's going to get hurt. He just kind of jumps in and acts, and, hey, I'll give you some money, and if you need a little bit more, I'll come back and take care of the bill. Well, then he challenges the lawyer who asked the question to start with, and here's, here's what happens. Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? No, the one who showed him mercy, right? Not the religious people who went by and took a pass. The Samaritan showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Now, I realize that's a situation, but we want that kind of mercy to become a part of us. And so I just want to challenge you today. If you think about mercy in your life, I know we all do it. I know that we all say, oh, is that person going to waste my mercy if I give them money are they going to go use it for something that they shouldn't I'm not saying we shouldn't ever be wise I'm not saying that I'm not saying that 
somebody should put themselves in an unsafe situation where maybe you're trying to help somebody. That you have to use wisdom, but, but boy, this made me stop and think about God's mercy toward me. I'm glad he doesn't sit there and try to figure out if I'm worth his mercy and how much I'm going to waste it before he gives it to me. He gives his mercy freely. My sins are so many, but his mercy is more. I'd rather have my mercy wasted than not try at all. I don't develop mercy by not trying. <laughs> we develop more mercy by giving and giving freely, even if somebody may do something with it. So we, we want that to challenge us, okay? It's, it's, um, we have to have wisdom, but not always calculating our risk and our risk tolerance. It's not a checklist. It's not a, a thing that, that we did. Hey, I did my mercy for the month, and I gave a donation. No, we want to be merciful and ready to help okay we experience more mercy from God than probably we'll ever know blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy all right next blessed are the pure in heart verse 8 for they shall see God a blessed life has heart awareness when I read blessed are the pure in heart that's why I shared a little bit earlier that verse always gets me when Satan tempts me to despair. Satan wants us to remember all of our sin all the time. He wants us to feel crusty and nasty and shameful like God can't forgive us. Like, oh, I hear this about a pure heart. Oh, I could never have a pure heart. Well, that's false. Jesus is teaching his disciples here. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. Okay? We can have a relationship with God that actually purifies our heart. I'm going to talk about physical heart for a moment. My family has a history of heart difficulty. Lost my dad to a heart attack. And so when I see technology like this, it just makes me think a lot. Have you ever seen this little gadget? It's, I'm doing a commercial here, I guess. It's called Cardia. And it hooks up to your cell phone and does an EKG. It's incredible. You can buy this little thing. I think it's like 70 or 80 bucks or something. And you just put your finger on it and it, it does an EKG for you on your cell phone. Some mouths are open right now. Either you're yawning or you're really surprised. I see both. Listen, let's be honest. All right. So, no, isn't that, isn't that incredible? And so, you know where I'm going with this. It just makes me think, if this type of physical heart awareness is available on my phone, I don't have this device, so I can't, I'm not giving a review. I'm just telling you this is available, all right? Just don't hold me to anything here. What if there was an app where I put my finger on it, and it said, am I blessed? Am I happy in here? Because Jesus is purifying my heart. What if, what if that was the case? What would Jesus find? Oh, well, I had a checklist. I, I tried to think real nice about that one person, and okay, I, I moved on. I had a checklist. I was pure in heart for a minute, but then I, then I went on. Okay? What if, what if God could look into, into my heart? Let's see some things that Jesus teaches a little bit later in Matthew. So I want you to get this principle first. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. Okay, it's not what we take in, it's what comes out of our mouths that defile. And if you don't know the word defile, it, it, it makes us 
uh, dirty and unclean before God. So the things that come out of our mouth, okay? And look at what Jesus says. Uh, I'm going to cut to what comes out of the mouth. (laughs) Proceeds from the heart. Oh, wow. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. We're going to get into this, in this series, we're going to get into a lot about rules and checklists. And the people that opposed Jesus were a lot about rules and outward appearances. And, and Jesus teaches this Sermon on the Mount to really combat that part of our human nature that wants to just justify ourselves and say we're good. Let's talk about heart awareness. A blessed life says, oh, Lord, I messed that up. Will you purify my heart before you? Created me a clean heart. I want to repent right now so there's no foothold of bitterness, so there's no shame. I'm going to take it to Jesus. He died for my sin. Pure in heart. All right, now, a lot of times we think about pure in heart as individual. I titled this sermon today, Deep Down, Right with God and with, and with people, right, with others. So let's think about this. An impure heart can hurt us. Okay, we can have all kinds of attitudes in our heart and all kinds of words can come out of our mouth that really hurt our relationship with God. But it can hurt other people. Okay, uh, in, in Jesus' teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things we'll get to is sexual morality. Jesus talks directly about lust. So let's say that pornography is, is something that you struggle with now or have in the past. Let's say that's what's going on. And ob- it's a problem that really affects men and women. Where? Deep down. It is a, a thing that can grab hold, like an addiction, and people that are trying to get out of pornography, they, they say, oh, it feels like there's chains on me. Okay, and so when you hate to sin, it affects your relationship with God. People often view, how, how can God love me? I have such a dirty heart. How could I ever have a pure heart? I want you to know there's forgiveness in Jesus. All right, so let's think about that purity of heart between us and the Lord. It's it's not based on your work or your ability to forgive yourself of the sin that you're committing. It's about what God has done for you through Jesus. His death, his burial, his resurrection. There's hope, okay? And so when you begin to hate that sin, you're, you're repulsed by it, God will help lead you out of it. He'll heal you from it. Those chains will come off. It can be very messy and difficult, but God will do it. But here's the thing. Our heart, there's an awareness here. It also affects other people. Okay, go back to pornography for a minute. Pornography requires other people to be enslaved in order for you to view it. Our heart isn't just wrong with God, it's wrong with people. Those are somebody's kids that we're looking at. Or possibly somebody's parents. Our heart isn't right with God, our heart isn't right with others. These things aren't just a little checklist, they affect My purity of heart affects other people. Let me switch for a moment. How about anger or hatred or gossip? Those things can make us really crusty inside and affect our relationship with God. But can't they affect our relationships with other people too? Oh, yes. Yes, they certainly can. And so a blessed life, a happy life, has a heart awareness that if we sin and if we stumble, we're 1 John 1, 8 and 9 people all the time. Going immediately to Jesus for forgiveness. He will forgive us and cleanse us from that unrighteousness. And he will put us back in a relationship with him. We want to fight against that sin. And so we have this heart awareness. It's hard to put things like this on a checklist, isn't it? You getting the idea? 
started with that checklist, you get any idea. It's hard to have hard awareness. Oh, I did this, I did this, I'm done. We always want to have that. Okay, next. Blessed are the, what? Peacemakers. Everybody say peacemakers. All right, there's a reason I had you say that out loud. We're going to do a contrast in a moment. For they shall be called sons of God. I want to put you in, in touch today with some difficult things. How about the person that has hurt you the most? How about the person who gets under your skin the most? How about a group of people with whom you disagree the most? Politically, maybe even theologically. How about the understanding of war throughout our country's history or throughout the history of the world? Okay, if we're just checklist people, we'll say, well, Lord, I think about that person and I'll say a quick prayer and I'll go on with my day. Or I think about that thing and I don't like war. I don't really want to be a, um, a warmonger and I'm not really that way and so I must be okay and I checklist. I had you say peacemakers. One of the things that I read on this said this isn't just the peaceful. Okay, we can be peaceful in the way that we live our lives toward other people and not slash their tires and ruin their lawn and do all that kind of thing. We can be peaceful. But Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. There's a difference. There's a difference. Deep down, when we're right with God and with people, we will mature away from an oppositional spirit. Do you find yourself being opposed? to a lot of people, griping about certain types of people or certain individuals? Do you find yourself being generally critical? Do you find it hard to speak well of your neighbors or your opponents or anyone? It might mean that the Spirit is revealing that we have an oppositional spirit. Jesus doesn't call us just to be at peace and to not do certain things. Peacemaking requires proactivity. And so as a follower of Jesus, it'll involve a lot of things. We'll, we'll, we'll be excited about peace with God. And we'll be intentional to pursue it in our own lives. We'll be repentant. We'll ask the Spirit to convict us of sin. We'll respond when we mess things up and we'll try to reconcile. We'll try to make peace with people. We'll be peacemakers. We'll care about whether people have peace with God. We'll evangelize. We'll share the gospel because we want people to have peace with God. Okay, that's obedient Christianity. So when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God, we have a relationship with God when we are intentionally seeking peace from God in our own lives and intentionally seeking peace with others. If you want to try to fit this kind of thing on a checklist, show me how to do it, because I don't have an idea. I need help every moment of every day to be this kind of an individual. We all do. We live in an oppositional, a polarizing culture where money is made and airwaves are filled every day with negativity about this person and this person and this person and this person. And you can sit in your own echo chamber and just blast people all day long. Our airwaves, uh, the internet, podcasts, are filled with that. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. 
The blessed life desires peace. Maybe you figured that out by now if you're waiting on me to <laughs> click that up there. You already got peace written in there. I hope so. All right, last one. All right, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you are still anywhere close to engaged in this, and you have these three points filled in on your outline, and you're thinking maybe even back to some of the other ones from last week, you think about meek and mourning and all this kind of stuff, and then today we are talking about merciful and a heart, pure in heart, it sounds so wonderful, and peacemakers, it sounds so wonderful. You may wonder, like, why does Jesus shift gears like this? This is a hard right turn in the spirit of this passage. It seems that way. You might be scratching your head if you're, if you're wrestling through this truth this morning. Why, why all these other seemingly wonderful things, but then we get, blessed are you when you're persecuted and people coming against you and they're lying and all this kind of stuff. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, <laughs> here's a quote. Uh, from one of the commentaries I read by J.C. Ryle. It says, It is no accident that Jesus should pass from peacemaking to persecution. For the world enjoys its cherished hates and prejudices so much that the peacemaker is not always welcomed. That really challenged me. I look up the year. Just a while ago that he wrote this. The world enjoys its cherished hates and prejudices so much that the peacemaker is not always welcomed. Friends, a blessed life is a life of risk. I want to point something out to you in the language. In verse 9 and the previous blessed are statements they're what is known in English as the third person it's like when you say he kicked the ball he is in the third person look at verse 10 blessed are those right who are persecuted for righteousness sake now when Jesus gets to verse 11 and he's going to do an explainer he changes the way he's addressing this. What does he say in verse 11? Blessed are you. I said last week at the end, this sermon that Jesus gives is not for everyone. It's why this series is called Living Like a Christian. We can say that we're a Christian. We can put a label on our Facebook and say we're Christian and post spiritual things all day long. I hope that these words will challenge to the depth of everything that we are how much we want to follow Jesus. That's why Jesus intends these words. It's for us. And there's a risk in that. We're not going to be at home in this world if we're trying to follow Jesus. When we have poor in spirit and we're mourned and we're trying to be meek and we're trying to be peacemakers or pure in heart, we're trying to attain these blessed life statements. They may put us actually at odds with the rest of the world. But we will find pursuing righteousness 
is worth the risk. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. When we want people to have a right relationship with God and when we want right living, we will be blessed and we will be happy and we will find a fulfillment when we have a joy in living out our own relationship with God and helping other people to do the same thing. And he, he just helps us. Blessed are you when others revive. Do you know that people are going to persecute you and say false things about you if you follow Jesus? Yes, they will, and they do. And that's okay, because Jesus gives us a, a flyer on it. He gives us a warning. This is what's going to happen. What does it say in verse 12? Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's not act in persecution like the worst thing that's ever happened is happening to us. Terrible things have happened to followers of Jesus. Terrible things happened to the prophets of the Old Testament. But if persecution comes our way, let us rejoice and be glad because it's worth it. That following Jesus and being his disciple means that we will take on risk in our lives and not always be guaranteed a safe little bubble from which to operate. Okay, now, every once in a while, I'll end a sermon with some practical helps. Disclaimer, this is not a checklist. This is not a checklist. Don't take these three things and say, I did them, my pastor told me, I'm done. I'm blessed and happy. Don't do that. All right? These are just types of things. Sometimes I'll just flesh it out and I'll make myself restate the message in about nine words. So here we go. Practical. Just show somebody mercy. That might just be in your heart and attitude. Start praying for them. Okay? That might be giving somebody a $5 bill that needs it. Might be. I don't know. I don't know how God's going to challenge you to show mercy. But every time I get close to this teaching about mercy, God challenges my mercy. So be ready. Be ready. It'll probably happen. All right. Show somebody mercy. Next three words. Evaluate the heart. Get that finger pulse monitor. Don't expect your phone to do it. Your phone will not evaluate your spiritual condition in your heart. The Holy Spirit will do it. Get in the Word of God. Reread some of this. Read the whole Sermon on the Mount. It's okay to cheat and look ahead. I promise. Let the words begin to saturate your soul and penetrate and challenge you. Do those heart awareness things. Last, act despite risk. Don't be afraid to live for Jesus. Don't be afraid to share the gospel with somebody. Don't be afraid to tell somebody that you love them even if you disagree with them. Don't be afraid to do that. Know that Jesus assures us rejoicing and gladness if persecution should come our way. That's his instruction. We want to be able to respond. And so yes, we'll take a risk. We'll live for Jesus. Next week, we'll get into salt and light. You know, look at, at those concepts of how we as believers will be a witness for our Lord. That's my attempt to summarize in nine words. What is it not? It's not a checklist. Don't do that. We want these things to become a part of our characteristic, our character and who we are. I want to invite you into that. If you're viewing from home today, if you're sitting in this room and you've not made that place in your life where you can go back to, or hey, I know that Jesus saved my soul that day. Make today that day. 
Ask him to forgive you for your sins. You probably feel that weight right now listening to this. Ask him to forgive you. He will. And says, God, I'm not coming because of myself. I'm coming because of Jesus. He died for me. He was buried in a tomb and he rose from the dead. He's got power over death. He's got power over my sin. So we want you to establish that relationship with God. And then for those of us that are really seeking, we're disciples, we're trying. I hope that's everybody in the room. We want to give our energy, give our souls to the depth, the transformation of our characters. All the time. Pray the Spirit will speak to us. Let's